uh, I used to work out with him at one point. I felt very safe around him uh, as long as he was happy. But I did say to him one day, I said, Steve, um, I don't lose sleep over homeless people. I'm glad you do, but I don't. But I do lose sleep over guys like you because I'm wired as kind of a leader mentor. So do you know what you lose sleep over? What are the things that get you angry? What are the things that make you sad? What are the things you're willing to kind of step out and do something about? Do you know what they are? Next is uh, your giftedness, your spiritual giftedness. There's kind of a lot of talk about that in churches, but do you know those abilities that God seems to really use to impact people for the kingdom? Like one of mine is, uh, is exhortation. So for years, uh, I would just encourage, exhort people. And when I was younger, I, I took kind of a lot of pride in, in rebuking people. You know, so that was, I didn't mind leaving somebody plastered on the side of the wall there because it was for, you know, it was for God, right? And then I learned that that wasn't very effective. But, um, but over time, I've learned that when, when I use my encouraging, exhorting gift in a certain arena, especially on this topic, God starts to use, use it a lot more than other things. So have you found out what, those, what your gifts are and then how God seems to really use it? How are we doing on time? Huh? Okay. Um, so do you know what those things are? Then lastly is uh, nature, personality. So what are your key personality traits and then what are your capacities? Um, are, you, are you pretty happy with your personality traits? Did you kind of wake up this morning and think, watch out world, here I come. You did? Yes, I did. Why don't you get up here and kind of lead this thing with me? <laughs> yeah, you. you know, for years, um, I, I recognized what my key personality traits were. Low key. Anybody here else low key? I'm, I'm quietly intense. So you may walk by me at church and you may not have any idea that I can get intense in a one-on-one conversation. And then I'm uh, friendly, somewhat friendly, and, and maybe, maybe uh, genuine. Well, I was meeting with a friend of mine in Tulsa who is a, kind of, has really been involved with a lot of leadership in the city and I was sharing those traits with him one day. This is about eight years ago. And I shared those traits and I said, um, those seem kind of boring, don't they, John? It was O'Connor. Uh, don't they seem kind of boring? They seem kind of boring to me. And he said to me, it was like an epiphany what he said to me. He said to me, but Dave, don't you realize it's those very traits that give you access to leaders? Because we instinctively trust you. From that day on, I've never apologized for those traits. Are you apologizing for what you what your personality is or isn't? 
Okay. And then what about your capacity? Some of you guys have really high mental capacity. Some of anybody here run a mar- run marathons? Past, okay. We, so we've we've had former capacity. <laughs> no, you might, so you have can have physical capacity. Some of you have high relational capacity. That's kind of what I'd have. So I can coach a lot of guys over a period of a month because I have a high relational capacity. What do you you know what your capacities are? So anyway, in summary, that's that's a way of identifying who you are. Now here's here's something I want you to take home with you. God is making you into a precision instrument. He's making you into a precision instrument. He may start out with some generalities. Has everything you've ever tried worked? That's part of the that's part of the trimming down process. <laughs> He's trying to help you become and live out that precision in your life. That's what Ephesians 2:10 is about. It's a precise particular purpose. And uh and so to to discover the precise particular purpose you need to have more of a precise understanding of who you are when, when someone asks you who you are and I'm sure that happens a lot right how do you explain who you are how do you describe who you are do the, do the people in this church understand who you are and how God works through you See, it's kind of hard for them to understand if if we don't have enough uh, ample understanding ourselves. See, so and kind of anyway to kind of wrap that up, who am I is really important. And then, so this guy, let's just say this guy who's uh, he, he's now turned thirty. Uh, he, he's starting to move into this. What's the phase? Thirty to fifty. What's it called? Middle age, okay. So instead of learning, hopefully, I mean, hopefully you'll be learning throughout your life. But instead of just learning, what are you doing now? Contributing. Did you notice that when you around the time when you turned thirty, people started taking you a little more seriously? That was that was my hardest birthday because uh, I realized that from now on my my mistakes weren't going to be because I was young or just because I was stupid yeah but it, but but what was really interesting was that as I got into this this contributing phase new opportunities came so I was asked to do more and more things given more and more responsibility did that happen to any of you okay well with that also came more stress more opportunities more stress who can identify with the more stress um, what's often characteristics of this time is play too full now let's just say you had kids back in your tw- or mid-twenties mid or, or late-twenties they're growing up let's just say they're starting to be five, six, seven, eight what are they doing now? They're learning, and do they have activities? 
So what are you doing? What are you spending your time doing when you get home from work? With with your kids. Homework. Their activities. Nothing quite like sitting there watching a two uh, two hour practice or two hour. Um, you ever gone to a, a ballet practice? <laughs> so anyway, so here your your, your responsibilities are at work are growing, more opportunities, and your free time is evaporating. Any, does anybody here identify with this? Now let's just say this one guy we're talking about never got an answer to the first for the first phase. He never answered the question, "Who am I?" Which is, I think, most men. They don't have an adequate answer. Well, well the problem is, what's the question they need to have answered below questioning? What's the, what's what's I mean? What's the question they need to have answered? What's my particular purpose? Where do I fit? What's my place? Well, here's the bad news. You can't answer that question if you don't know the first answer. Uh, How many of you guys just really want to know what's my place? Lord, what is the particular purpose that you've put me here to do? How do I maximize who you've made me to be for your purposes, Lord. You've got to answer the first question pretty well. And then that, that gives you an opportunity to answer the second question. But here's what happens to this, to this guy. He doesn't know the first answer. Plate's too full, high stress. He's starting to get tired in his late 30s. Anybody of you guys ever start to get tired in your late 30s? You're running pretty hard. You're starting to get tired in your late 30s. Well, joy of joys, there's actually something that happens with men. Around 40, you start to ask questions. Why why did I pick this career? Anybody ever ask that question of themselves? Why why, why did I pick this career? Um, Why do I believe what I believe? Um, why did I marry who I married? You know, why, why do we live here? And, I mean, you start asking questions, and many of the fr- the questions come out of a a frustration, a tiredness, a kind of a kind of a scrambling for some meaning. So, what of, what often happens to men around that time period? Have you noticed what happens to men? Many times around that that forty year time period, crash. Do they can they do some s- stupid things? Have some of us done some stupid things? <laughs> um, so what we need, what they need, is fully utilizing who they are, their design, and focusing one's life. See, you really can't focus your life, guys, if you don't know who you are. And as you start to focus your life earlier around who you are and learning how to say no, how many of you guys have a real 
easy time saying no to people who ask you to do stuff. Everybody here really good with no? <laughs> How many of you have wished you said no on occasion? Okay. Uh, the better you understand who God's made you to be, the easier it is to say no appropriately. See, so I, my pastor may ask me to do something. Well, I no longer believe that just because somebody in authority asked me to do something, that's what God wants me to do. I have another, I have another filter to, to process that. And a lot of the filter has, is tied to who I am. How does God work through me? Well, that's great, Pastor. You want me to do that, but that isn't the pattern of how God uses me. I hope I'm not being heretical here. But um, so if the, we really need to focus. And dangers, what are some of the dangers of this time period? What does it say there? So dabbling can look like you don't have a good answer to, to the first question and you don't have a good answer to the second question. You're getting tired. So there's a desperate grasping for some kind of a meaning or rest or comfort or uh, fun. So have you ever seen people kind of get excessive in their pursuit of some of these things? What would be an example of this, of, of dabbling, you think? <laughs> let's, let's try again here. <laughs> what's, a, what's an example of dabbling? What's that? Okay. You, you just can't seem to stop yourself. I mean, it's almost too much. Uh, probably an extreme form of dabbling would be trading your wife in for 220s. Huh? You, that's what you told her at 40? Okay. How'd that go? How'd that go for you? <laughs> I can't handle one, so why would you want to? Okay. How about, uh, how about the hobbies? How about the, the toys? How about excessive, uh, just excessive things? It's, it's, it's dabbling. And not that those things are bad. It's not bad to have a lake house or have a RV or have a, you know, do some of these fun things. But if that becomes a substitute for purpose, you see what that's a problem? And then uh, plateauing. I almost think this is more dangerous than the other one is. What do you think plateauing is? Okay, you, you stay the same, doesn't go up or down, you just become apathetic. Now, do you guys know anybody like that? Let me ask you this. How many of you know five men who are 50 and older who inspire you because they know who God's made them to be and they're living it out with passion? Who here can identify five? Raise your hand. Okay, who here can identify 10? Okay, we got, okay. 
I have to tell you, I've asked probably a couple thousand men that question. And most of them can't identify one. So you guys are blessed, the ones of you who can. Let me ask you, what happens to those? Where'd they all go? What about all the guys in their 20s and 30s who would have inspired you? And now they aren't. What happened to them? What happened? What'd you say? Burned out? What'd you say? Yeah, but they're there, but they, they've made choices. And they've decided to kind of check out. I'm not going to, I'll go to church with my wife, but I'm done. I'm not going to really tackle any new challenges. I'm not going to try to really make a difference. I'm not going to try to really grow in my walk with the Lord. I'm just going to kind of plateau out. Uh, They don't realize that they can't plateau. It's really this. Right? And what, look at down the, what are some of the relational needs. This is kind of what uh, Russell's been talking about. Peer partners. Do you have buddies who together with you have committed to pursue the, kind of a higher bar in life? Who have said, we are not going to plateau. We are not going to dabble. We're going we're gonna to make a real, we're going to live a life that matters. We're going to make a difference in our families. See, you have those kind of men. Are you close to those kind of men? I I have a bunch of those men in my life, and that has made all the difference. And then mentors and models. How many of you guys have a mentor that you look to and that you get with on a regular basis? How many of you have one? It might be a good topic. How do you find a mentor? Okay. Yeah, there's some really great books on how, to, how do you find a mentor. I think Paul's written a good book on called Connecting, on how to, what this mentoring is all about. Um, I really challenge you men. If you don't have a mentor, that in the, in the next three months, you make it a, a purpose to ask God, to show you who he wants to mentor you. And uh, then we need models. We, need, we, 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 we men really learn a lot by observing other men processing through life. Right? You know, um, I learned a lot by watching my 54-year-old buddy die. Seven kids, a CEO, a dynamic individual, I watched how he processed dying of cancer over a two-year period. Okay, I've watched people really rise to occasions. I've watched guys uh, work through really difficult situations, and I've learned a lot from those men. I have, I have guys who are close to my life who have modeled living life well. Do you? And do you know them well enough to actually, be, to actually learn what it took inside of their hearts for them, to, for them to process that time in their life well? Then, 40 to 50. Who, who hears in 40 to 50? 
We call this reality mortality. Five minutes. Reality mortality. So uh, what can happen in this time frame is some goals that you set have been accomplished. Did they really pan out to be as good as you thought? Yeah. A lot of times our goals, we, we made them, but they weren't so hot. Or a lot of times we just didn't, we never did make, reach our goal. Then reality, and then mortality is you start to see people dying. You start to, friends and family, people you care about are getting sick. They're dying. And it, and it actually starts to affect the way you're thinking about life. You're starting to realize I'm not going to be around forever. And and if you don't have the answers to question one and two, how can, how, how might that affect you? It can really be discouraging. It, be, it, can, it can make you desperate. So the way, this is the way it needs to be. You need to get an answer to who you are. You have a, you have a good enough answer to who you are. And then once you start to get that, you can start to answer, what's my purpose? And then, as you get to understand who you are, you can start to focus your life better. So you focus your contributing. What you really want to do, see that, see that word focus on here? You want to, if you can, you want to move that to the left as much as you can. So if you're already in your 60s, you want to, you want to focus as soon as you can. But the idea is that you focus as early in life as you can around who God's made you. But you've got to live some life to learn who God's made you. Say, You guys have any questions? Let's see if I can. Um, you, you have to live enough life to know who you are, but then you want to you want to, to to take that knowledge and then start to understand who you are, and then start to focus around those things. Yeah, there's still a lot of lessons. We call it we call a lot of this sovereign foundations, where God has been at work forming you, even in the midst of your failures and your and your mistakes and you know all that, where He's doing some things in you, and you want to just you want to draw those lessons from it, and you want to you know, there's still a lot of things to learn from it. 
you can still learn about these things we pointed out. Okay, now you have a different focus, right? But you know, he didn't just scrap who you are when he saved you. Okay, he, he made you a new person, but he still wants to use a lot of the core things. Okay, any other questions? Good question. How you really want to finish up, guys, is you want to invest well. You want to invest your life, uh, leave a legacy. And one of the ways you do that is you understand who you are, you get answers for what's your purpose, and then you start to really focus around that and, and, and give your life to investing in others in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And really, that's really, this is the, the, the one-degree process that we talk about really takes you through a, a bunch of exercises, a bunch of worksheets that will help you get answers to this. And then we coach guys to get to not only define better who they are, but then how does that relate to your current reality? And how do you get from point A, which is where you are, to point B, which is living a life, living at your, his purpose for you, so, I think I've done. Huh? Well, I don't know if there's, I'm sure there are some things out there. There's certainly some assessment tools you can use. 13 is kind of young. But, but I think this is, a, but first of all, knowing those answers yourself, then you can kind of help him out of your own personal experiences. But then be really aware, really pay attention to what are these things in his life that are kind of starting to surface. And, and not trying to force him into a certain niche, but to just observe what, what's there. Okay? But you keep, you, you ask him those, what, what do you really love doing? You know? And just ask him questions about it. Was that good, guys? Good. Um, it's, uh, it's a lot to take in. Um, because it feels a lot like navel gazing, but then what do you do and where do you even apply this? Because a lot of guys, uh, I, I hear it every week. I mean, it's the reason Dave is here tonight, obviously, is investment into me, but it's because, uh, no doubt, every week, one, two, three times, I'm in a private one-on-one conversation with a guy, and in some form or fashion, I hear the, I hear the terms, I'm stuck. And, and it has a lot to do with what Dave just walked through. And, and it's just one I would love to see. This isn't necessarily the path to be able to get moving because uh, there's a lot of other dynamics that go into um, guys' lives. But in terms of just this question, uh, there, this is a way to get guys moving. Uh, and, it, again, it's less to do with the curriculum, but more it is a coaching process. It's a life-on-life process. That, that really works. Um, 
Uh, for me, let me break it down for you guys. Um, the how, how many? I just want to see because I was sitting up here. How many of you guys have a mentor you regularly meet with? Okay, couple couple guys. Okay, that's great. Um, how many don't have a guy that they regularly meet with? Okay, thank you for your honesty. Um, so I, I'd like to come back to that in just a minute because um, uh, there's some. There's some barriers to that, and I think um, in a few minutes, we've got kind of a unique setup tonight because Paul and Dave are here, and I think it'd be worth having them respond to some of the barriers to mentoring relationships. So Paul's pretty spontaneous. We just have to wake him up a little bit. So um, uh, what I experienced with Dave and a little bit with Paul, um, Paul and I, our relationship, our time together is very different than our, my time with Dave. So two totally different dynamics. Um, um, but with what I experienced with you, Dave, um, because he's in Tulsa. And so uh, it's a phone relationship, even though we meet and enjoy one another, uh, you know, when, when we get together. But during our 45 minutes to an hour together, our time would typically be... Um, a series of two to three questions that honestly I, I, I believe it's the gift of God just in Dave that are just truly inspired that that just level me oh wow I, I've never even thought of that before that unlocks something in our dialogue that just that just gets me from where I was stuck on something and then gets me moving and so in the course of an hour after years of experiencing time with Dave it's usually um, two or three questions. And Dave is a discerning enough guy. He could pick up on 12 issues going on in my life. <laughs> but for that time, typically he just does a great job of narrowing on, on just one talking point uh, through the course of that conversation. And that, that gets us focused. It gets, it gets me moving. And then specific questions that I can prayerfully and biblically uh, reflect on during the course of that week. The other thing about what Dave has done over the years and uh, with me is a discipline that um, has truly impacted how I, as a model for me, how I spend time with guys and I'm getting trying to get just better at it, is that Dave always prays with me at the end of the time. And, and that means the world to me, Dave. Uh, and, and there's something in that that um, I'm not, you know, he's not my Holy Spirit. You know, it is a, there's a release over to the time that we walk through uh, during that time. And so there's a simplicity and a wholeness into that dynamic that I would just encourage you guys, wherever you're at, just to look for those things. What is God saying in a clear couple of questions that draws out the deep under, the understanding from your deep well? And then just um, pray for one another. And if you don't have an older mentor or a guy that you trust, I'd encourage you to engage in a peer mentoring relationship just to start that process uh, moving and, uh, and stay disciplined with the truckload of issues that we all have on that. So I'll give you an example of what One Degree did for me. Um, and it was a little bit of a defining moment, which is ironic that I would even use this example sitting here tonight. Uh, he, 
he went through the process and we talked about interests and passions and stories and skills and all these kind of things and I'm unlocking stuff from Boy Scouts and what has leadership got to do with Russell today and there was something in Boy Scouts and oh I know how to build a campfire you know and, and so we started weaving through the stories in my life and then um, and all of a sudden he asked this question that um, so Russell if you know you like to teach the Bible yes I do I enjoy teaching enjoy sharing the word so um do you think that uh, God would use that gift inside of you and that skill inside of you more if it was inside of four walls or sitting around a campfire in God's great creation sharing the exact same content? Which one do you think would, would come more alive in you and where God might use that uh, even more? Uh, probably around a campfire because I've seen... I've experienced myself and I've seen the guys respond in both. There is something that explodes inside of me when I'm sitting under stars and all of a sudden I see a shooting star and a guy and something in that that I come alive. And so when Dave challenges me to steward my story and steward my design, that's something I have to be mindful of when a guy says, hey, let's go get coffee. Or let's go have a lunch somewhere. And I go, well, sure, I'll meet you at Starbucks. Or you know what, today, let's take a hike over lunch hour. And it's that kind of a difference that says, let's take a hike because I know what that does for me. It's something, something's birthed inside of me. Something comes alive inside of me of that one kind of example. Um, and and that, that's just a very simple example of just stewarding your story. Where do you come alive? God's given you a certain energy level and you can form into this because that's what you're supposed to do versus in, into that. And, it, and it's a balance. And then having the guys that come alongside and continue to ask, ask those questions. So um, I just wonder tonight, just this is something I'm curious about because this is kind of a unique group tonight. Uh, as I look around the room, and I know most of you guys, and some I'm still looking forward to getting to know, I see a group of leaders. I see a group of guys that are ready to engage. And I, and I just wonder, if you could shout out one word, one phrase, what is your passion or interest? What keeps you up at night? Would you, I would love if you could just shout that out to us tonight. What is that that stirs you and fans you into flame? What's that passion inside of you? Encouragement. Okay. That keeps you up at night? Okay. Okay. Most guys like their sleep, so it's got to be good. So, right? What's that? Children who are fallen. Yeah. What else? I have you guys doing jumping jacks in just a minute, so come on, wake up. Regarding what? Men. Okay. I like that. That keeps you up at night. Cool. You guys. Yeah, I've lost a lot of sleep over you guys, so... Just ask my wife. 
I have a lot of 2 and 3 and 4 a.m. journal entries because of you. So thanks for pushing my button. <laughs> yep. And the net is a journey. So learning what that is. Learning how that plays out. So what keeps me up is, is not programs or men's ministries or what building we meet in. What keeps me up at night is developing leaders. I could lose sleep over that. So developing men become the leaders God's called them to be. So, And that's why I do what I do. So God's given me a desire, and I see things inside of you guys, and I want to call it out. And when you call men out and steps into that, it's, it's, a, it's almost like a commissioning. And when I see guys step up, get fired up, and begin engaging, um, and become the husbands God called them to be, become the fathers God's called you to be, become the workmen God's called you to be. Next thing you know, the kingdom's being built, and we're blowing the doors out. And it starts in the hearts of men beginning to believe God's called you to more than just living, managing a to-do list every day. Yeah, that keeps me up at night. And I've been doing that since I was a sophomore in high school. So... This is nothing new for me. It just is a different venue. But I'm still learning how to walk in it. So what else? What else keeps you guys up at night? The unknown? Okay. Well, you're sitting next to a pretty good guy. Rick? Rick? <laughs> nice. <laughs> now y'all, y'all are like one seat between you, right? You know, it's a, you got to bring the distance together. So, what else, guys? What else stirs you? Are we dead men walking here tonight, or we got something burning inside of us? Empowering others. Great. What else? Another question is, who do you want to help? Mm. To do what? Who do you want to help to do what? It's an easy question to ask. Purpose? Thank you. What else? Opportunities. Less fortunate. Let's go, guys. What else? Come on, shout it out. Okay, great. Excellent. Reclaiming families. What else, guys? This is your testimony, guys. This is your story. Shout it out. Let us be a witness to it. Come on. Rescuing young people. I will be a witness to that, Jason Foster. Breakthrough. Freedom. It's good. Anyone else? I think revival in the church has seen the church become more relevant 
One or two more. For me, it's to, to know it. Hmm. It hurts. It keeps me, I can't sleep, wakes me up. You get the little sliver and you watch him change something in your life. Hmm. That's a miracle. And then once that happens, nothing satisfies. Nothing. That's right. You can't, it's not business, it's not church. Hmm. And you can't have it. You, you know, it doesn't happen all the time. And hmm. you just get hungry. Hmm. Indescribable hunger. Hmm. I have a great marriage. Hmm. That's not what that's not what makes life wonderful. And it's wonderful. Hmm. But that little touch from the Lord ruins you. Hmm. I love if I could just elaborate a little bit on Larry if most guys are honest when we hear from Pastor Brady or guys in a church context how do you hear from the Lord and people talk about you know I hear from him all the time or I know his voice most guys if they're honest that's another area where they're stuck and 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 so as I shared, I experience Paul different than I do Dave. If you're in a place where you're stuck in your relationship with the Lord, not so much because of sin or maybe disillusionment with where you are, but it's truly an issue of just spiritual direction of how do I hear from the Lord? Well, we have just heard from a man, and, and, and this has been a drum that I've heard Larry beat for many years. This is who he is, that he, he's a business guy, he's got a great family, you know, just a man of integrity and character, but this guy's heart beats to know the Lord. And, and for men that want to know the Lord, and that, yes, you could talk to Larry about marriage and family and business, and I'd be happy to talk to you. But what sets this man alive is knowing the Lord. And that's really the power in, in the mentoring relationships and is, is knowing that spark inside of Rick Conrad. And, and Larry and Dave Jewett and Paul Stanley and Gary Foster it is and to know that and that when you as a younger man can ask about that something in his story the fire that's inside of him lights a fire inside of you and that's what creates a bond for a lifetime in terms of those relationships and then you find that what Larry imparts to you you turn around and you can't help yourself. It's a cup overflowing. And then suddenly you're attuned to the next guy that's having the same issue. And God begins using you in the same way for a guy who's stuck in his ability to hear from the Lord. And that's how this works. And that's really ultimately how this will grow. I never want to see this house built with 500 men if we can't do it well among 20 guys. Anybody with me on that? And that's where this has to start. So if you guys can't share from your heart what you're really feeling, what you're passionate about, we're stuck and we need to work it at 20 to get us moving. And when we, when, when we can get healthy and when we can express who we are and what we're called to do, and then, then, then the Lord is ready to set this house on fire with the men called and ready to lead as, as we're designed to be. And then watch out. So let it start here with a few guys. So...